Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. I don't know if anyone's aware, but we're going into negotiations again right away. Yay. <laughs> yeah, our current contracts expire next January. Do they both expire at the end of January or is the RSMC a month? They're synced up, yep. They're synced up now. And we finally got the urban agreement just online. Uh, on, as of this recording, I think it's three days old we got it from. We still yeah. haven't seen the RSMC agreement from the last negotiations. And nobody's seen a printed version of either yet. So we're already planning for the next round and haven't really fully gotten the last round yet. I'm super stoked that we finally have the at least the urban one because I'm using it for grievances. I know. <laughs> and there's a lot of little details in there that people have been wondering about or we're not quite sure on. And we've kind of been guessing a little bit because nobody really knew exactly how it's going to be. So this is going to be a huge thing. I'm going to spend a good chunk of the weekend just looking for differences, I think, and seeing exactly where these minute changes are some places. Well, I know with previous contracts, they would give us like a, a list of changes. Yeah, I'm not sure why we didn't get that this time. Today, we're talking about how the demands for negotiation get created. Because um, they don't just start from national. They're supposed to come from the ground floor, the grassroots, the members, like you and me. Well, they can come from national, but they're, they're all voted on and approved by the membership, regardless of where they come from. But they can come from a lot of different places, the local, the region, the national executive board, or even the trustees of the union. Right. Yeah. I know I've seen a lot of stuff, especially on social media lately, of people saying, well, how come we're not demanding this and how come we're not demanding that? And it's like, well, some of us are, you know, <laughs> some yeah. of us are actually working on this. And if you're not, get involved, you know, go to your meetings and join your, your resolutions committee and uh, or, or even just submit them to your local office and they will forward them on, you know. Although we're kind of getting to the deadline now, so. It's kind of a weird thing too. There's sometimes there's resolutions uh, for demands. That's what we call them resolutions when you request a demand. Um, it's not just something you change in your life in January? No. <laughs> something that <laughs> sounds like a really good idea, but then when you get onto the floor and we discuss them with the region, um, sometimes there's languages or technicalities. Uh, and it's a really interesting process. Frustrating sometimes for sure, but interesting. Uh, sometimes it's shocking too. So people will say, why didn't we negotiate for this? Or why wasn't this top demand? It'll be like, well, because nobody put a demand in for it. And sometimes it's because, well, we assumed everybody else would. You know? Like last time and everybody was like, why are we not getting more personal days? How come no one wrote this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I can guarantee you that that has not been overlooked this time. Yeah, I think some did, but it wasn't uh, like a universally demanded thing, which was just weird. I think a lot of people last time uh, assumed that since the, the Harper contract was deemed illegal, that we were automatically going to fight for everything that Harper took away. Mm. And that wasn't the case. We still had to specifically request it. Yeah, that was kind of confusing. I'm thinking that the 10 days that the NDP are pushing for, 10 mandatory sick days that everyone will have, mm -hmm. uh, in theory, I'm thinking Trudeau's been warming up to that. And we're thinking about an election in September. I'm thinking sometime in August or July, that'll be one of those pre-election bribes that Trudeau threw out there. So I think we might get that one anyway, which would be great. Yeah, I mean, it's still worth asking for in our contract, because even if even if everyone gets it, that is our larger goal, is not yeah. just to have the personal days for us, but for the greater community of workers. Yeah, the whole labor movement, which we've had episodes on. I think we should go for at least 12, though. 15 would be preferable, of course. Yeah. But anyway, not to get bogged down on that one topic, because we're talking about the resolution process, or negotiation <laughs> process, I guess. Right. Um somewhere between six and seven months before they actually start the negotiations. 
um, the National Executive Board will will call a meeting of the national directors. So they get together, they organize all of the resolutions that they've um, that have been submitted to them. They they will combine them or organize them uh, as to topics so that similar ones are grouped together. Uh, just because there there might be thousands, I guess, in theory. And they will select a secretary to keep track of all of that stuff and prepare a report to send to the National Executive Board. And then they will make recommendations to the National Executive as to which ones they think should be pursued and which ones they don't feel are going to be pursued. But but all of it gets sent to National anyway, and um, whether and then they decide what to do with that. So those recommendations are called the program of demands, and that's the final outcome of the whole process. Um, kind of doing this backwards because that's the way it's laid out in the Constitution. Uh, the program of demands is what we vote on when we accept the union's position. I actually don't know what happens if we reject the program of demands. If they just write a new one, I don't think it starts the whole process over again. You know, I don't know either. I've never seen it be rejected. <laughs> it, would, it would be odd for it to be rejected since it comes from the floor and they're formed by the membership, it would be really odd. And they've already been debated. It'd be really odd for them to be rejected. Well, but, especially considering that the vote isn't like a local vote, it's a national vote. So all of the all of the votes are tabulated together for whether we're accepting them or, or rejecting them. Yeah. So I, could, I could see maybe one region not liking something, but something that's very regionally divisive wouldn't likely make it in any way because the Constitution says we have to uh, represent all regions equally. But uh, it's not impossible. I'm just not sure what the process would be if it was rejected by the membership. So that program of demands is based on resolutions that are made up by locals. So anything you want to see us fight for, a local or the national executive or someone will submit in the form of a resolution. It lists the rationale why they think this is important. It'll be whereas this, whereas this, this is what we want. So if you if you have been writing resolutions, you may have noticed that there's a specific format that they have, just so that they're all presented in the same way and and easy to read and easy to. If you've ever gone through organize. these, even at a local level, you know it's a pain to go through these things. If there's not a regular format, if there's no, yes, I know we did a, not yeah. in our local before we or got them submitted. We didn't specify the format and. I had the pleasure of combining them. And I think was... there were 74 and some of them came in after a resolutions meeting, like the day yes, of somebody yes. submitted, and I think was, 20 of them. Yeah, it was, it was messy. And I, I kind of regretted <laughs> volunteering to handle that, but someone had to do it. Um, and it was definitely a learning experience. I had never written a resolution before last week. And, um, I yeah. have, but I was glad to let you make that mistake and grab the work. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it to be quite that much work. But also it's worth noting that uh, because our uh, collective agreements expire at the same time, we were writing resolutions for Urban and for the RSMC uh, collective agreement. And a lot of them kind of work for both. So some of them we were putting into both sets of uh, resolutions or, or demands. And uh, some of them uh, have to be changed a little bit because the work methods are a little bit different. And in a lot of cases, it was um, trying to get the RSMC collective agreement to be more closely aligned with the urban one because there's a lot... If you compare the two books, you can see that one of them is a lot bigger than the other one. It's because there's a lot more uh, rules, protections, 
uh, for the urban members than there are for the RSMC. We've closed that gap quite a bit, especially around leaves. Yes. And the McPherson decision specifically said when she made some of these things closer together that the goal was to unite these two collective agreements. So yeah. that was a kind of not a formal thing that we put into the collective agreements last time, but it was still part of our decision that we have to bring them together. And that was uh, a huge, kind of a subtle, but a huge win mm-hmm. for us. There are still some really glaring differences, though. Like when you look at the, the safety clauses, like for Urban, it's Article 33, and for the RSMC, it's Article 24. Um, it's just so much longer in the Urban. There's so many more protections. And basically for the RSMC, they're falling back on the Canada Labor Code protections. Yeah, in the Urban, it's like a dozen pages or something like that. And the RSMC, I think it's a page and a half. For health and it's safety, it's ridiculous. Shorter. Yeah, and even when you look at the grievance procedure, it's so much longer, and uh, it's really a lot of it is the recognition of stewards and the time off the floor to do the work and and all of that stuff. And and those, while those uh, things may be granted to RSMCs, they're not in the contract in a lot of cases, and so it's a it's a constant struggle to get your your supervisor to allow you that time that that the urban members have, that it's it's enshrined in their collective agreement, that they get that time covered to, to do those duties that are kind of outside of your regular workday, but are so important for the functioning of the union. The neat thing about de- demands is you can ask for pretty small changes, pretty simple sounding things, and ask for a little bit here, a little bit there. But you can also ask for huge sweeping changes to the corporation. There's, there's no limit to what you can ask. And if there's something that you just don't like about the corporation and the way they run things, like one of the things we put in was for them to cease the practice of not paying you while they do an investigation. Here we've had people suspended for three days, but they're really off work for two weeks because they have this investigation time that they don't pay you for, which is just garbage because in most cases they have all the evidence they need in the first day. So mm-hmm. really it's a, it's a suspension on there and things like that. That's a pretty big change. And it's not a local problem. It's a national problem. When you speak to people in other locals, yeah, at least in the region for sure. Going on. Um, and then All personal over. days, personal days, of course, that's a yeah. pretty big change. But I, I know my baby was the uh, recognition of social stewards. That was my big one because right. <laughs> uh, they're not they're not officially recognized anywhere in the collective agreement now. And um, we're getting a lot of momentum with that. I was listening to a brief from the Canadian Labor Council, and even their plan to make that one of their their big campaigns going forward is to have social stewards. Um, in all unions, using mm-hmm. our social stewards program as a base. Yeah, it's a great program. Maybe that's why the corporation's trying to uh, kind of copy a bit of it with their awake alert to wear. Well, they're trying to program. undermine it, I think, and they call that <laughs> they call that different uh, different things in different regions, I think. Yeah. But anyway, we're supposed to be talking about how the resolution process works. So right. we uh, we write the resolutions. So all resolutions that you're submitting must be passed by your membership at a local general membership meeting. Um, and they have to be signed by your president and your uh, secretary treasurer or an alternate for for the secretary treasurer if you don't have one. <laughs> and then they go to a regional meeting uh, where we debate and discuss them and then we vote on them. Uh, but before they even go to the floor, there's a resolutions committee. They will put them in in groups uh, based on you know the str- how many people demanded them. Like if everybody wants them, they're a higher priority. Right. Um, and a lot of times you'll get the same resolution from four different locals. So they'll combine the language or take the strongest one, 
and put yeah. them all in order of what to vote on. And they will kind of decide which are the strongest ones and they'll put them in that order because there's only so much time at this meeting and right. you're not guaranteed to get to them all. So if they all agree that this is an important resolution and this is one we really need to put forward, and these are uh, usually presidents from all the locals, so uh, everyone's represented. But uh, they will agree and they'll pull the ones that were unanimously voted on the front to make sure we get to them. And then ones where they maybe thought there was a flaw in the wording or they disagreed with, or maybe somebody submitted something but didn't understand the consequences of it, they'll put those at the back. So we'll, they'll vote on the ones that they recommend first. And then you go to com uh, go to convention, you vote on whether you agree with the committee or not. And uh, the committee definitely isn't the final say. They just order things and make it easier. If you did every resolution separately and had to vote on the same issue 15 times, it would just be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. that would, And no one would have any interest in it anymore. They'd be like, we already heard about this one from the Edmonton submitted this one. We talked about it yesterday, you know, <laughs> like, right. or whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, it would be a pretty dry meeting. So, yeah, if the floor passes it, uh, it's noted whether it was unanimous or, or a divided vote because that talks about the strength of the resolution, how much support it has. Uh, those all get sent to national, and they will combine the ones from all the different regions and basically do the same thing and decide which ones have the most support from the floor, which ones are under the most demand, which ones are the most important, and which ones have the most effect. And, again, pick the one with the best wording, and that's where they get that program of demands from that they send out to the membership to vote on. Yeah, and when you talked about uh, strength of wording, I think uh, maybe some people aren't aware that there's, what are the options? The will, shall, is there another one? May? M must. Yeah. Must, okay, yeah. Those are so, huge in the CA. Yeah, so like, they, you know, they will, okay, they will do this, they shall, you know, like it's just, um, it's whether it's necessary or whether it's suggested, basically. <laughs> and the corporation will almost always do the the least, the least they possible they can. Exactly. Right? So yeah. sometimes that's a huge win, changing that one word. Yes, it can be. Yeah, because then you're not saying, well, you know, it would be great if you would do this. It would be, no, you have to do this. It says right here that you have to do it and you have to do it within 10 days or yeah. a month or whatever the timeline is. So it's often good to put timelines in. That was another thing that we, I know we discussed at our meetings was um, having a deadline for when they can provide things to you um, rather than just letting it go on and on and on and having no recourse. Now that program of demands is incredibly important. Um, Article 6.13 in the Constitution says the power of the negotiating committee shall be limited to negotiating demands as submitted and ratified by the National Executive Board. Um, so if it's not something that was in that report from the National Executive Board, which was based on our resolutions, the negotiating committee is literally not allowed to ask for it. Yep. And that's what happened last time with our personal days is that there wasn't enough demands or enough support or an agreed upon resolution for personal days mm -hmm. and they didn't ask for it. Yeah. yeah. I also note the, the final sentence in that clause is that the demands shall be forwarded to the locals to be submitted to the members for approval by secret ballot. So you and me get to vote on whether those are accepted as demands. The thing is, if something's missing... They can redo that document, but they still can't create new ones unless they go through the whole process because everything has to be from those resolutions that are from the floor. I don't know if they could start over, though, because everything's so set in the timelines, right? Yeah. You need the time to have the meetings. 
And it sounds like we have lots of time. Usually start this about a year in advance, but that's really not a lot of time to do this much work. Well, you think about how many of us there are across the country. Yeah. And it'll be cheaper this year because of Zoom. Uh, we're not going to fly everybody off to, to meet in person, right. which is unfortunate, but also cheap. But the expense, if we had to redo this, even over Zoom, is quite high. So restarting well, it is just not realistic. Wages, right? Yeah. So if you've ever been to one of these meetings, um, it's extremely interesting and also extremely frustrating. So what they'll do is they'll read out each one of the resolutions and they will open the mic to the floor. And anybody that wants to uh, go up and speak about the resolutions in accordance to Bruno's rules of order, um, which governs the whole meeting. Those are super fun if you ever want to look into those. <laughs> Bruno's rules of order, all the seconding and, seconding and uh, whatnot, uh, and points of order. But uh, each person has three minutes to speak on an issue. And uh, once everybody's had their... Up to. You don't have to. Up to three minutes. three minutes. That's something that a lot of people find super frustrating. There'll be people that'll go up there and they'll watch the clock. And they will use that three minutes to the second every time. Even if it means repeating themselves four times in different ways. You know, um, It just drives people buggies. It would drives drive people me buggy. crazy. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, people are entitled to use that time if they want to. Um, I like to get up and... When I talk, I generally use a minute or a minute and a half at most, um, which I don't think anyone would predict listening to this podcast. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> but no, I like to make my point and then give up the mic to someone else. But uh, everyone gets a chance to speak. It doesn't matter whether you're the, the president or a delegate or, or whatever. There are also observers there that are just there to observe the process, um, which I highly recommend if you get the chance, if you're, if you're not wanting to actually participate. So it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to watch. Do observers not get to speak or vote? No, they just observe. No speaking, just, no voting. Okay. No yeah. voice, no vote. They get to learn and understand what's happening. But really, a lot of actual delegates never speak. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can go there just to have your voice heard. Or I know, especially at the last one I went to, um, there were people who would hand me notes who didn't like the to speak. And I would go up and speak for them. That's fine. I have right. no trouble doing that. The only problem with that is under the rules of order, if you speak twice, you close debate. So you, if you're going up there the second time, you, you generally let everyone else go first. Right, so, yeah, the, the rules state that you can't speak twice until everyone else has had a chance to speak once, right? Yeah, so that's something you have to be aware of, especially if you're in a, a small local and there's only two of you. If the other person goes up, you can't give them your notes to go speak again or they will close debate because it's coming from them. Right. I guess if you were only using a minute and a half, you could do it at the same time. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> and that would only count as once. If you're well organized, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you have the same viewpoint, too. It would be weird to go up and argue for <laughs> argue a resolution yeah, and then against it. <laughs> you're just like crazy. <laughs> the voice on this shoulder says yeah. this, and the voice on that shoulder says that. And right. I don't know. Do I want 10 personal days or only six? <laughs> I think we all want 10. Yeah, or more. Yeah. I want 12. I think 12 month. is a minimum. Once everybody who wants to speak has had their chance to speak, and again, there's no obligation to, um, then they call for the vote. Usually just a, a quick show of hands, and it's usually pretty obvious. Most things pass with wide support or, or not. Mm -hmm. And if it's very close, then they'll do a standing vote and actually count. And they will call for the four and opposed, and if nobody is opposed... Uh, and then it's passed unanimously. Of course. Yeah. So, and there's always lots of people that abstain, which is fine. Well, I guess maybe they feel that if it's not that 
important an issue to them, they should let other people have their say. Well, and it, it's long days. Yeah. Like, uh, well, you're I, not napping, are you? No, especially the, <laughs> especially the Saturday. You have the Friday evening session, and then you have the Saturday session. And depending on how fast you're moving through the resolutions, uh, we've put in 12-hour days, and that's a long time to listen to people talk. And there's a long time to sit. Yeah, there is no way that people are 100% focused on every single mm-hmm. issue. And there's a lot of times where someone just misses the boat, you know, as long as the... I can see that. It's, it's going to happen. Well, and especially considering that these are, some of these issues might be very important to you and you might still be discussing them a little bit quietly while they're moving on, yeah. <laughs> you know. There's ones where people are on the fence too. Uh, I know last time there was one where, where some people wanted CUPW branding on corporate vehicles. Oh. And some people thought that was really good because they wanted to, to remind the public that it's the the workers doing this work for you, not some nameless corporation, and we wanted our credit for it. And some people were really opposed to that. They didn't want our logo next to the evil corporation's um, logo and thinking we support their tyranny and all this stuff. And there's some language on strong language on this stuff. So there's a lot of debate either way on that. So like not everything goes through with really strong support. And uh, some people thought it was a no-brainer to have it and some people were like just dumbstruck that we'd even suggest it so there's there's always differing opinions on things too once everything's been thoroughly debated and voted on uh all the regions send their results up to national so the the national executive will hire an experienced negotiator to help our internal negotiating committee so that that Negotiator has to be bilingual and uh, be experienced in this kind of negotiation. But the chief uh, negotiator, negotiator will be a member. Yes. So this outside person is only to advise. Uh, I believe they're generally a lawyer to worry about specific languages and stuff, but I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure on that. Uh, this round, chief negotiator for Urban is Lana Schmidt from the Prairie Region. Right. I'm not sure who the RSMC one is. Um, so basically there are six internal members of the negotiating committee. There's... Uh, uh, they'll be the national grievance officer will consult uh, because they're, in theory, the most experienced with the collective agreement. Well, in the details um, of it, there's all kinds of yeah. minutiae that aren't really obvious, but the grievance officer always has to deal with these things. And how the clauses interact. Yeah, sometimes things seem obvious, but then when you compare it to another clause, it's very not. And grievance mm-hmm. officer is the best position to really analyze that and have the most experience with it. And know that like this one applies in this instance and not in that instance and all of that. Uh, stuff. There also has to be um, a member of the National Executive Board who's acting as chief negotiator, and then there will be four members in good standing who are appointed by the National Executive Board. As we said before, they're organizing all of these things, they're uh, submitting them, and uh, they're also tasked with soliciting support from other labor groups, other unions, as we go into negotiations. That can be important when you're working on something that could be a, a national issue, like this 10 personal day thing that we keep going. Mm-hmm. We keep talking a lot about that. We keep talking a lot about that today, even though it's not what the episode's about. But you know, the NDP are talking about pushing this 10 personal day things. If we can get other unions on board to also push for that, it makes it easier for us to get through. And you know, if we can say it's probably coming anyway, uh, the corporation can demand less from us for it. You know, we'd have to give up less on our other demands and things right, like that. because there's always a trade-off. Yeah. But, you know, if we can put some pressure on them or uh, even just take our demands 
and make them a national issue. So again, the 10 personal days, if we rally enough support from the other labor unions and the Canadian Labor Council and stuff are sure that we're going to get that anyway, we know we don't have to push that one as hard and don't have to give up anything for it. So once they're actually in negotiations, it's important that the members um, are informed as to what's going on. We want to know. And so they're, they're supposed to be uh, creating a weekly bulletin that's made available to all the members across the country. Um, just to, to let them know what, what's being negotiated, what's being, um, what's been resolved and what's still to be resolved. And in turn, the locals have to forward to them, uh, information that might be useful for that. So if there's any grievances that could influence those negotiations, if there's been a new interpretation of clauses coming from the employer. Yeah. Sometimes the employer locally will interpret something differently. And uh, we have to be cautious of that language because if, you know, the interpretations the local employer is taking spreads, they can be a problem. So we warn the negotiating committee that, hey, this is what they're doing here. You should maybe make sure the language doesn't make that easier so it doesn't spread or so we can shut that down. And yeah. uh, local grievances, if we've won precedence on things like that. Yeah, it's good to let them know anything we can that can help them out. Yeah, and, and some of that might be uh, the result of grievances, local grievances, or even uh, consultations where you've agreed to handle things in a certain way, and whether that's working or whether that turns out it's not a good a, a good solution and that you don't want to go down that road as far as uh, the, the collective agreement. Yeah, there might be a demand for some process, but you might want to make them aware of some detail that they have to watch out for, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the work is always changing the the uniforms are changing, the methods are changing, the technology is changing. And so there's, everything's constantly in flux, right? Yeah, there's always loopholes. And if we don't specifically forbid the corporation from doing something stupid, they're going to find a way to do something stupid. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> no, you're right. They will. Um, we're also supposed to send in any documentation on gains achieved by other unions, if those uh, pertain to what we're asking for. Uh, negotiation strategies coming from other unions and uh, any documents relating to the employer's publicity that might affect our bargaining unit. Uh, Sometimes uh, they'll change some local procedure too and they'll put notifications on your desk and things like that and sometimes they're running trial programs and don't tell you, you know, they want to see how it affects things and how well we push back and whatnot and if they get an advantage from it, that's something they could be trying to sneak in later on and it may seem harmless. It could be a big thing and you want to make sure the negotiating committee is aware of how it affects stuff. Yeah. So at this point, everything should have been debated several times by this point. It's so really been refined because the local would have had to debate things to pass it on to the resolutions committee who would have debated the wording and, and formalized everything, which would have gone to the floor at the regional meeting to have everything debated there and then put up to the national committee and they would have debated the wording and figured out exactly how to mesh it with all the ones from the other regions to keep the spirit the same. Uh, so everything is, should have been like very thoroughly thought out by this point. And uh, that's what they go forward with. So as this process continues, the National Executive Board also has to let us, the members in general, know about any issues that are unresolved and, and going for mediation or conciliation. I just want to say on this communication thing, um, some people get upset that we're not getting enough information from the negotiating committee. Um, 
even though they have to provide us information, it's unrealistic for them to provide us everything. Um, I think we talked about mm -hmm. this briefly before. If we're, if something's not completely set in stone and signed off on, it's very hard for them to report on it. On it. Um, like let's say we're going for 15 personal days and we also want full control of our pension. The corporation may at we some do. point we want say, both of those things. The corporation may at some <laughs> point say, um, you can have full control of your pension, but we're only going to give you 14 personal days. That's a pretty good trade for us. But right. if we've already announced to the membership that we're getting 15, oh, there's going to be people that are infuriated uh, yeah, by it. Yeah, that people regardless. are going to be so angry that you took away that one personal day, even though you gave them control of their pension. Yeah, it's true. It's so, like yeah. if the weatherman promises you plus 10 and he only gives you plus 5. You're mad, you know? So you want to, they do have to report, but they can't report prematurely and they don't want to tip their hand on anything. So they are limited somewhat in what they can report. They report everything they can, but they're not able to report everything really until it's finalized because nothing is done until it's done. So I think we've all experienced, or at least anyone who's been here more than a couple of years has experienced what happens when, um, when negotiations break down. It's never <laughs> happened. <laughs> Mostly because the corporation just refuses to negotiate. So there's nothing to break down. <laughs> okay. There's that. Um, but I, I was referring to strike votes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if we're going to go on strike, um, the members have to vote on whether to strike. So the, the national executive will recommend whether we should strike or not. They'll give us reasons why. Um, we're required to locally to hold a meeting to inform the members of what's going on, where we are in negotiations, what national is recommending we do. And then we vote by secret ballot whether we're going to strike or not. And ultimately, a uh, strike is a negotiation tactic. That's mm -hmm. why it's included in here. It's to put pressure on the employer to force them to negotiate and to force them to take us seriously. Because yeah. if, to bargain. if there's no consequence for them, they're just going to reject everything because why not? Um, that's one of the huge problems with the government always interfering is it's always why not. We're just going to get legislated back anyway. Right. Well, that being said, I mean, there are, there are rules about when you're in a legal strike position and how many days since whatever yeah. do you get. We'll talk about the whole strike process in a yeah. later prog podcast, I think. Yeah, it's a little, it's, I think, too complicated to get into now. Um, so once once the negotiating committee has, has created a, a rough draft of a collective agreement, um, that also gets voted on by the members. Same basic print process as the strike vote is that you have an information meeting everybody gets to read it and see what's what's in there and then you vote as to whether you accept that as your official demands or not if it's an option when we're legislated and we're into binding arbitration yeah. there's nothing to vote on because we're no. stuck with it regardless right yeah if we start going into those other negotiating means then which aren't really negotiations so those are all again all of those votes are tabulated for the whole country you don't you don't count yours up and then say, hey, we voted for, you know, or whatever. No, it all has to be done as one uh, by an independent auditor. But National does usually release a report later saying, you know, this, I don't think they go city by city. I, I think don't they go think. region by region. Region by region. They might go city by city, but region by region. But on that's what the percentages. after the votes have all been After everything's finished. been finalized and yes. total nationally. And they say, here's the total result. And 
this yeah. is where it came from because this region voted this way and this region voted this way. Roughly. I think that those rules about not being able to um, put out local uh, results as you go are because of the t time zones. Like you have people in the far east uh, would be done. If we all voted at the same time on the same day, they would be done hours before the people but on we, the west coast. We don't though. That's the other problem is they're... <laughs> We don't. No, no, everyone does them on different days and somebody yes. should come out a week ahead and someone come a week behind. And a lot of times, yeah, the people who are holding those meetings will be kind of traveling across the country. And so, yeah, they happen over the course of like a week. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then there's lots of debate with that in politics too, how early results could affect things. Sometimes having a, a result really skewed towards one politician they say will motivate the opposition to come out or to, you know, even things out. Or if someone's way ahead, their voters might say, well, we won anyway, who cares, and stop coming out. I don't think any studies really proven either way, but that's always been the theory. Uh, but either way, we don't want to mess with it. We want people to have their equal say without any consideration about that, just what they think of the demands and be able to vote the way they feel. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I mean, really, it's your union, it's your voice, and you get one vote. You might as well use it as you see fit. Right. So what you vote on there, again, like Brand said, was just the rough language mm -hmm. of the collective agreement. It hasn't been put into pure legal terms yet. That takes quite a while. It's one of the reasons why this one that we have now took so long to get into print is one word legally, like those may and musts kind of thing. Uh, or changing the wording of a, a sentence a little bit legally can make a massive difference. Mm -hmm. So doing all that beforehand would be time-consuming and expensive and really delay the release of a contract. be kind of weird to spend all that time and money to get the exact wording before we even know if we're going to accept that wording. So once it's accepted, then it goes into that process of figuring out the exact tweaking of all the the words and where the comma goes and where the colon goes or okay so uh once demands are ratified national executive board uh will send a package of the highlights to other labor labor unions labor councils just for their information in case they're also working on something similar and then once the negotiating committee has done their work they are supposed to put everything put all their files in order write a review of the negotiation process and prepare a report for the next negotiating committee, which in theory would uh, start their work in about four years <laughs> so that they're not starting from scratch. Or the next week in the case of this last one. <laughs> in the yeah. case of this last one, yeah, it'll be like the next week. Yep. <laughs> whereas this podcast has already been extremely interesting today and whereas I've run out of points to make, uh, be it resolved that we hereby close this podcast with your normal call to send us emails <laughs> okay if you uh, have anything you'd like to say or any feedback you'd like to give us or um yeah anything uh send it to overburdenpod at gmail.com you can also check us out on facebook and uh have a good week motion mm. to end the podcast seconded adjourned <laughs> adjourned Things really should have been debated several times. Your local had to pass it, uh, and hopefully debate, 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 debate it. <laughs> <laughs>